Good morning, everybody. Um, Feel free to keep your Bibles open to Psalm 63. We will eventually get there, Lord willing. Um, But there will be quite a bit of scripture that's coming up on the uh, that will come up on the screen. So, um, I guess hang on tight. All right, let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful that we can call you Father God. We are thankful that we have access to you through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we are thankful that your Holy Spirit is here with us, indwelling us, uniting us to our Savior. We just pray, Lord, that you would um, help us. Help us to understand uh, this topic that we're going to be talking about, joy. Uh, we won't mind the depths of this, of this um, richness, this treasure here. Um, but we're going to start taking a few steps towards it. So Holy Spirit, please be with us. Help us to be doers of your word and not just hearers. And we do ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you recall last Sunday, I, uh, I guess I made a declaration of how much this time of year is such an awesome thing um, for me and for all of us. How much joy and um, cheerfulness that it brings because of who we were celebrating. But I must admit that sometimes it's kind of difficult to maintain the, that joy and that cheerfulness. And this has especially been a problem for me since I was saved. Um, anytime I would be around other Christians or go to different conferences or even do things like His Work, His Way, I always walked away uh, feeling pretty encouraged and spiritually blessed in one sense. But in another sense, just wondering what was wrong with me. Why did I not have the joy that I saw in other people? You know, one of the things that's very true about me um, is that there's a lot of cynicism and sarcasm that is just, I'm going to say that it was just dwelling within me so deep uh, that I just can't fight it. Uh, Well, that's kind of fatalistic. But then I was wondering, is it just my temperament? And I'm just like this little negative Nancy that's just going to be like pouting all the time? Or is there something that needs to be worked out? Well, I turn to the scriptures, and on one hand, it encouraged me, but on another hand, I didn't feel so encouraged. Galatians 5.22 says that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. The second thing is joy. The first thing, uh, I read read a sermon by Spurgeon, is love, like this ultimate thing. And the second thing that follows that is joy. And so it's supposed to be this prominent thing within a Christian here because the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. And then Philippians 4.4, we get this commandment that we're supposed to rejoice in the Lord. But not just rejoice in the Lord, we're always supposed to rejoice in the Lord. And I was like, man. I don't, I don't sense that in me. 
Um, 2 Corinthians 8, 2 talks about, well, it says that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Wait, when I'm going through a trial of affliction, joy is supposed to abound. Okay, there's another F mark for me. And then Psalm 32, 11, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This psalm, this worship song, as it were, is saying that we should shout for joy. I don't hear that in me personally. It rarely comes out. Psalm 33, 1 through 3, rejoice in the Lord, another command, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. This rejoicing God finds beautiful when we're praising him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. The, the kind of um, Christian genre that I fell into, I never hear us, and I'm not saying us, I mean uh, in the, my weird little world of reform. Baptist, Presbyterian people, I never see the shout of joy. It's like we're praising and we're just, you know, um, praise from whom, you know, praise God from whom, oh, blessed. And it's not a shout. It's just like the singing, stick with the melody. And, and for me, I was like, well, that can't be true. So I realized that there was something wrong with me. That it wasn't, I can't just blame it on my temperament, and I can't blame it on the cynicism, that it's something that I had to work out in my life to where, this is where the title of the sermon comes in, I can enjoy the joy of God by delighting in Him, or Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at two things. We're going to look at the joy of God, as through the scriptures, and then we're going to talk about delighting in Jesus Christ. And then, well, I guess the third thing is actually taking those two things and enjoying it. So as I started my study on how to be more joyful, I took out a few things. I took out my concordance, and I took out my topical Bible. Um, now, the topical Bible, I will say, they're great tools, but be careful because they have different biases in them. Um, thankfully, when it comes to Joy, the only bias is that we should, you know, have joy. Um, and what I found is, is that God has joy, and he gives joy, and he enjoys giving that joy. In Psalm 1611, we see that he's a source of joy. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So if we are in the presence of God, if we come to the presence of God, our joy is full. We have this full, absolute, abounding joy. Our joy is satisfied, completely satisfied in God. Because we were created by him and for him. So he fills that, um, our, if we, that, that little space in our hearts that ha, where joy should be, he fills that. Because that's where he belongs. When we're in the presence of God, we have our purpose. 
we, we know who we are living for and what we're living for, and that fills our joy. When we're in the presence of God, we, our greatest needs are met, and we have the fullness of joy. He is our Father, and the fatherly love that, we, that I think we all long for, even, even I've noticed that um, people with really good dads still want to um, honor their dad and kind of, um, uh, not impress, but they're wanting to approve their, get approval from their father, not in a bad way, but they just want to continue that. But in God, we get that completely and fully filled because he is our heavenly father and we get a joy from that. Our joy is filled from that. The next thing I found after that we get a fullness of joy in the presence of God is that God finds joy in doing good for his people. And this blew me away. I was talking to Bill earlier this week, and I said, I can't finish the sermon because I can't get off this one thing that I never thought about. And in Jeremiah 32, 41, it says, and this is God speaking, yes, I will rejoice over them, his people, to do them good. And I will surely plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. With all, every ounce of his being, he rejoices in over his people to do them good. This is very different from the, 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 how the world um, uh, wants to take the Old Testament God, quote-unquote, and make him this grumpy dude until his son comes along in the New Testament and now he's all chill. Um, I think that's partly our, the church's fault, not this church, but church in general, and the fact that there's sinful people who don't want to see God in the proper light. But we have to remember that God enjoys rejoicing over his people, that's us Christians, to do good for us. He's not out to do bad for us. He enjoys doing good for us. In Nehemiah uh, chapter 8, Ezra is reading the book of the law, the people are gathered here uh, in verse 6. They're worshiping, amen, amen, while lifting up their hands. They bowed low and worshiped Yahweh and their faces to the ground. And then we see in verse 9, towards the end of it, uh, for all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. They were convicted. There was this conviction and this... this um, uh, this repentance that was coming upon the people. And what does God do? He, he gives them joy and says, my joy for you is, the, is your strength. And then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow. He's comforting them. And he says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't look to your failures of, of, the, of the law to find your strength. Come to me. Find your strength in me. Find that my, the, 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 the joy that I bring you, that I have and I'm giving to you, is your strength to continue to build you up here. The Romans 15, 13 
It says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul catches on to this idea that God loves to give joy and that he does give joy when he's asking, um, when he's praying for these Romans saying, may God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing. Now this is all important because it shows us one thing. Well, I guess it might show us a few things, but the one thing that I'm going to pull out is that God is the focus. God must be the focus. When we're doing something for someone, whether it's charity, helping them out, like, or, or whatever, the, the mere deed or even our good intentions cannot be the focus of receiving joy in that moment. When we're utilizing our abilities and our gifts to bring God glory or to help other people out, just using them should not be the focus of our joy. The titles that that we receive, the accolades that we receive, certainly shouldn't be the source of our joy, not even our friends and family. Now, I'm not saying that those things are inherently bad and that they're not valid. I'm not saying that they don't, that there's no, that no joy comes from them. But what I'm saying is that they do not belong in the place of God's position, where in his presence we get the fullness of joy, this eternal joy. The spirit of God is, or the fruit of the spirit of God is joy. And we need to be cautious of what we put in, in there or where we draw our jo- the, the source that we draw our joy from because it does two things. First of all, it leads us into the grotesque sin of idolatry. And we know that that's we put in our place or in, in our hearts something that isn't God. But that does something else. It actually distorts in our minds who God actually is. Um, some, I guess some examples of that is um, it could be, well, I need to pay my bills. And right now, God is not filling up my bank account. And so all we do is we focus on money. Money becomes our source. Or if we want future security, we have a good job and we start hoarding all this money away. Now, I'm not telling you what you should do with your money, but the reason we hoard that away is just in case something bad happens. That makes God, that distorts God by saying, it could potentially be saying, God can't take care of me. If God wants us to give our money as the, freely as the Bible says, but to use it wisely and not to just um, hoard it up in all these things that we can never touch so that we can be more relaxed later. Or, or even, even children. Whether we, we desire children and we can't have, or we desire children and they're taken away, and, and we put those things into the place where God belongs. And that 
our ideal child of what we want or even what we um, had can distort who God is by saying he wasn't good by not providing me that thing that isn't bad. So and if we go through dry spells, and I know for me, um, as a single guy, you know, I'm going to read Habakkuk right here. Sometimes the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines. Though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills. God has to be our joy in every circumstance, for every desire. He has to be, and he has to be the one who gives us that joy, or we can't go through these deserts. We can't go through these times when, when it seems like we're not being provided for by God or we'll turn our backs on God. We saw that happen with, 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 with Israel coming out of Egypt, right? They kept complaining. They kept saying, wow, let's go back to Egypt. It'd be better to be their sl- slaves in Egypt than to die out here starving. Well, they, they, they took their comfort, made it the idol, and then they made a grotesque distortion of who God is. So we need to be careful to not put, to not let anything other than God be the source of our joy. So we'll follow that under the joy of God. And now we're going to talk about how do we delight in God. Um, and I think... This is where I kind of struggled a little bit, and I'm going to give you some, I guess, editorial notes with the sermon. I was always taught that joy was this, like, static attitude uh, where you're, you're of peace and contentment and all this stuff. Um, and it was almost like I was taught that this is some weird, stoic thing where nothing that comes my way will affect me. But when I looked at joy in the Bible, every time God did something for his people, they rejoiced. There was joy. There was the Psalms talking about shout for joy. And then when I moved into the New Testament, it was the same thing. There was this, this expression of joy that occurred. It wasn't this stoic um, fortitude, I guess, of just, uh, I, I, I don't know how to explain it. But also, it wasn't this um, goofy, uh, uh, fake joy. Like, has, has anyone seen Office Space? You know, we're in Office, no? Well, there's a, there's a character who's, who answers the phones, accounts payable, uh, please hold, accounts payable, please hold. She's like this obnoxiously upbeat person, and then one character is like um, kind of down in the dumps, and she comes up and goes, sounds like someone's got a case of the Mondays. And then, okay, anyways. It, joy is not this obnoxious, 
um, giddy thing either. What I found was, from the scriptures, is that joy is the recognition of God's grace in our lives. And I was like, okay, well, that's the word definition. What does that mean? Well, I think it means that in order to have joy in God, we must delight in Jesus Christ. And the way we delight in Jesus Christ, because he is our greatest gift of grace, is to treasure Jesus Christ above all things. He needs to be our treasure. Um, and, and there's different passages that point to this. Uh, Luke, in chapter 2, the, 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 the shepherds are, an angel comes to them and tells them this prophecy, this fulfilled prophecy of this little child that they need to go to. They go to this child, they're following this star, they get to Mary, and they tell Mary what happened to them. And Luke 2.19 says, Mary kept, or treasured, that word could be translated as treasured, all these things and ponder them in her heart. All this stuff that the angel said about, about um, her son that was just born, yes, an angel came to her, said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, you're going to give birth. It was confirmed outside of her experience. There was confirmation that it wasn't, that she's not crazy, that this is really happening, that other people are, are know, knowing about this, and that she's taking it and treasuring this reality up in her heart. It's like the man who, who was going through his field and he found this hidden treasure. And that treasure was, was so um, precious to him, it was so awesome to him, that he sold everything else off just so that he could keep that treasure. Or the merchant pearl who's going out for um, um, uh, well, pearls, I already said it. But he's going out looking for pearls and he finds the most beautiful one. And he gets everything and that becomes his treasure. Jesus Christ is our hidden treasure and our pearl. The, the, the one that we should always be um, focusing on and treasuring and, and delighting on. Paul says in Philippians 3, but what things were gained to me, his, his heritage, his, uh, who he was as a, as, a, as a Jew, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Everything that isn't Jesus might as well be rubbish. He counted it as, well, I'm just going to say rubbish. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but which, that which is through faith in Christ. This treasure of Christ brings righteousness, brings a right standing before God. And then he goes on to say that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship is of sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attend the resurrection from the dead. Also with Christ comes knowing him and conquering death. And that was his treasure. Jesus Christ was Paul's treasure. 
And that's how he could go through all the afflictions that he went through. All the shipwrecks, all the beatings, all the jail cells. And how he can not sit there stoically, but sing worship songs and praise songs while he's bound to a wall or to other prisoners. The other thing that we should treasure isn't actually another thing. It's what Jesus has done for us. In Luke 10, all the apostles have come back out from casting out spirits and doing all this other stuff. And Jesus says to them, they're all really psyched and amped up. And he says to them, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. The greatest gift that we have, Jesus Christ, brings this gift. Philippians 4.3, and I urge you also, true companion, help these women. This is Iodia and Syntyche. For whatever reason, they're fighting. They can't, they can't um, get along. And he says, these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Help them to stop fighting. To get them to see that we were working together. And, and what's the reasoning here? Your names are in the book of life. Look at that. Find joy in that, not whatever fight you're having and to see who's winning here. It's not about that. It's about Jesus Christ coming and, 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 and dying for our sins and, and, and bringing a right relationship with God. We are at enmity with him. And, and now we're at peace with him. We were part of his family, as Ephesians um, uh, uh, 2.11 says. But by the blood of Jesus Christ, we were drawn near. We were adopted into his family. We find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We find redemption. We find a new life. All the failures and all the sins of what we used to be, all the foolishness is now replaced with Jesus Christ and the wisdom that he brings and, 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 and the, the, um, uh, uh, the, the glory that he brings from that. Bill taught on heaven this morning. Jesus brings us heaven. Because if Jesus didn't, then we would be bound for hell. We would be eternally separated from God, and the wrath of God would remain upon us. But that's not what Jesus did. He fulfilled the Father's will by taking our sins on the cross, by laying his life down, by conquering death, by giving us hope, by giving us peace, by loving us in such a great and beautiful way and as Psalm 35, 9 says, My soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. So we rejoice in God through Jesus Christ because he's our treasure and because of the salvation that he brings as, as an, this, this other gift that we get. Romans 5, 11 says, And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. We're found in Christ Jesus. 
We're accepted in Christ Jesus. We're united in Christ Jesus. He is our head. We are his body. He identifies with us. Colossians 1, uh, I think it's 24-ish in that area, talks about how when, when we suffer, he's suffering because he identifies with us. When we are going through these moments where, where these things that we make into idols into our hearts are coming upon us, in one sense, he's suffering. He's, he's saying, look, I know you're scared, but don't let that idol take my place. I know you're hurt, but don't let that idol take my place. I know you want immediate satisfaction, but don't let that idol take my place. He knows what it's like to... um, to be human. He knows what we deal with. And if we could just hold out and treasure him just one more minute longer, one hour longer, one day longer, we're going to receive the satisfaction. People who, who deal with sexual morality, you haven't waited to be satisfied long enough. You just meditate on God, treasure Christ, treasure what he's done for you. And the word actually says he'll give you a way out, and he does. He is the way out. When we want to hold bitterness in our hearts against someone because they've wronged us, think about the wrong that we brought against God, but what Jesus has done. Meditate on that. Or, I found this to be helpful. Remember that we are a new creation in Jesus Christ, that the old has passed away, and behold, the new is here. You don't have to sin. You choose to sin. You can also choose, maybe not perfectly, not, maybe not consistently, to be faithful to God in that moment because of what Jesus did. And we can rejoice in that. So don't think when you're alone and you're struggling with temptation that you are truly alone. Because Jesus was tempted. He knows what it's like. And he knows what we need in that moment. And he feels the suffering and the pull. And we just need to turn to him while he's identifying with us and identify with him in that moment. So, we looked at the joy of God. We looked at how to delight in him by focusing on Jesus Christ, by treasuring him in our hearts above all things, all other things. And I'm not going to encourage anyone or admonish anyone. Maybe I should, but I'm not. I just want to ask the question that I've asked myself, wait, I don't think that's going to be grammatically correct. The question that I keep asking myself, I want you guys to ask yourselves. You don't have to answer to me, but you have to answer to God. You have to answer to your conscience. 
Christian, do you have joy? Do you have joy? Can you identify the joy in your life in every little moment? Um, now, I already talked about the stoic solemnness that I was told that what joy is, which I, I, don't, I don't necessarily agree with 100%. And then there's this goofy, giddy joy, but that internal delight and gladness and, and um, this treasuring of Jesus Christ and the expression of that in our lives. I have three areas that I think we all need to, to look at. I know I do. Uh, the first area is worship. And I don't necessarily mean here. Because we should be worshiping in our lives every day where we're at. But let's focus on here. Um, before I do that, I guess I need a caveat. I've realized that everyone's expression of the joy is going to be different. Now imagine having a, 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 a child's birthday party, right? Everyone there loves the kid. Everyone is there happy that this kid is having a party. Uh, everyone is just wanting this child to have a great day because it's their birthday party. Everyone's going to sing happy birthday a little bit differently, right? Some people are going to be more explosive. Other people are going to be probably a little bit more withdrawn. But that doesn't determine what's going on in here. It just, it just, it might show just what their temperament is, who they are as a person. Um... But when we're going through our worship service here, are we treasuring Christ? When announcements are being read, when a call to worship is being uh, put forth, when prayer is happening, when singing is happening, when the preaching is happening, are we treasuring Christ while we're engaged in those activities, but not just for the folks up here? What's going on out there? Are we treasuring Christ when we're out there? It might seem um, kind of mundane that we would treasure Christ during the announcements, but if we're not treasuring Christ during the announcements, we're going to have a really hard time treasuring Christ when we're going through some real serious sickness, some real serious hurt, some real serious doubts in our minds. We need to start small and build up. When we're at work, are, 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 are we joyous at work? Are, are we delightful people at work? I don't mean being that lady who's from that movie and saying, oh, someone's got a case of Mondays. But are we bringing the monk down? Are we depressing the people around us? Do, or do they not even know that we're there? Now, I'm not saying that everyone, need, we need to be wearing bells and, um, and whistling and being obnoxious. 
But are we treasuring Christ to the point where it's coming out of us that we're more of a help to people than we are in hindrance? And the same things for at home. And it can be difficult with a bunch of kids, with crying kids. I was actually kind of nervous. No nursery, no junior church today? you got to be kidding me. I don't want to be up here. I'm, all I'm going to hear is just crying babies. Praise God that I have been working on my joy for the past week and a half here. Um, but it's all, again, it's not about being jovial and goofy and joking. How do we respond to our spouses? The way we treasure Christ in our hearts will work out in the way we respond to our spouses. The way that we treasure Christ in our hearts will work out in the way that we respond to our kids, no matter how much of a headache we are receiving in that moment. Because you got to remember, children are a blessing from the Lord, not a curse from the devil. Are we rejoicing that our name is in the book of life and extending that kind of grace in our homes? Because really, that's where it starts. If it's not happening in your homes, it's not happening in your work, and it's not happening here. Or at least, maybe the reality isn't happening here. And think about this. Why would an unbeliever want Jesus if we're not treasuring him? If we're just running around complaining about things that happen to us, if we're just running around um, not delighting in God and his sovereignty and his goodness, if we in the way we engage in conversation with people, make God sound like this, this grumpy miser who begrudgingly just gives. Why would any unbeliever want that? But also that's contrary to scripture because we just saw that he loves to give. He enjoys giving. And I'm not saying put on a routine. I'm just saying that we should have the joy of the Bible in our hearts don't you want the kind of rejoicing that happened in Acts chapter 5? The, the apostles are, are, are before people, they're beaten. And then it says in verse 40, So they followed his advice, and after calling the apostles and beating them, they commanded them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then released them. So they went on their way from the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for the name. That's the kind of joy I want. I get dumped on, I get beat, I get told not to talk about him, and I get to walk away that Christ would be like, you know what? You are considered worthy to suffer shame for my name. Now rejoice in that. So when we walk into a room, do we make the air heavy? Or do we not affect the air at all? I think we make the air lighter, that the tension is eased in some way. Maybe by a kind word, maybe by a joke. And we need to start that small, because when the tears are rolling, and when other people's lives are falling apart, are we adding to that burden? And we can add to that burden by being there physically, but not being there spiritually and emotionally. 
by not making a difference at all? Or do we help that person with that burden? Do we help them with that load? Do we, to the best of our ability, hold them up and lift them up? Now, I understand that we don't always feel this joyous all the time. There are other things that pop up into our lives. There's many reasons why we might not feel that joyous always. But let me give you one last thought. When you're not sensing that joy in you, turn back to God. Just turn back to him. Turn back to Jesus Christ. Uh, 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 Paul writes that. Remember Jesus Christ, the seed of David. Remember him and what he's done for you. Um, be in prayer. I thought I brought a little book up here. I guess I was wrong. Um, there's this little book called The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. And I got this book when I first became a Christian because I just thought, hey, I want to practice that, to just always be in his presence. Because we know that, um, according to the word, there's fullness of joy in that. And I read this guy's biography, and he was a French monk, and he worked in the kitchen of the uh, um, cathedral, I guess. I don't know. But monastery. And he wanted to be so conscious of God's presence in his life, he said, he wrote that when he picks up um, a little piece of paper off the floor, a little piece of trash off the floor, he, he wanted to be conscious of God's presence and to glorify him by doing that. It's like, wow, I'm like a million light weirds from that. But he has helpful um, suggestions. One of them is being constant conversation with God. Pray to God all throughout the day. Be mindful of him. Not just memorize prayers, he said, but truly open your heart. Speak to him. Speak to him as if he's right here because he is right here. Always be in his presence. Be in his word. Draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. There was, I've been having nights where I just wake up, and I just can't get back to sleep for a couple hours at a time. Now, sometimes if I, you know, start watching a, a, a music video, it puts me to sleep. But I wasn't going to sleep, and so I was like, you know what? I should do a study. And I did a study on diligence. I don't know why. Maybe the Lord thinks I need to be more diligent. All I did, got out the concordance and went through, started going through the Bible, looking up all the verses. And after a couple hours, I, I was, um, it's weird, I was refreshed enough to go back to sleep, if that makes any sense. There's, whatever was keeping me up, there, a peace came on me. And it, I wasn't even dealing with what I thought I needed to be dealing with. It was a completely different topic. But I was in the word of God, this living and active word, and he brought peace into my life. Turn back to God by being faithful to God. John 15, 
10 through 11 says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. I'm not saying keep a list of, of don't do this and do that. What I'm saying is, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you will know where you're not supposed to go and where you, where you are supposed to go. Um, just do God, God, just do things the way God would have you do them. Or be like Jesus and fulfill God's will. He gave us the Bible to understand what he, how he would want us to be. So just be those things. Be tenderhearted. Be compassionate. Do not gossip. Do not steal. Stir each other up in the good works. See, it's not all negative stuff. It's just all good stuff. And the last thing, and, I, and I th this is important because whenever we don't feel that um, joy, whenever we don't sense that joy, we tend to do this. We tend to extract ourselves um, from community. And that's, I've done that. I'm sure others have done that. That's shame, shame, shame for these reasons. In John 1, 1 through 4, he says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we beheld and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that's Jesus Christ. And the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and manifested to us, that's Jesus Christ. And what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. Why would we not want to have fellowship with one another? Because having fellowship with one another is bound up in having fellowship with the Father and his son, Jesus Christ. Oh, by the way, verse 4. And these things we are writing so that our joy, and some translations will say your joy, may be made complete. Anytime we are not, well... That's probably a really strong statement there. When we are gathered together, whether it's here on a Sunday morning, prayer meeting, Bible study, the weekly studies that we have going on, our joy is to be made complete in that because we are together. Our fellowship with one another is fellowship with the Father and the Son. Why would we not want more of that? Why would we not want more of our joy filled in such a way? And to be able to say, right now, we are having fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So if we aren't, these are four ways to turn back to God to pump up the joy in our lives. And I pray that this was helpful because it was helpful for me. I can't guarantee what's going to happen with you. Um, and I hope I preach this with some sort of 
sense of joy coming out of me because I realized if I'm preaching on joy and I'm not having any joy up here, you guys aren't going to believe me. So we we're going to have to let the Holy Spirit take over from here on out. Let's pray. Father God, I said let the Holy Spirit uh, take it from here on out, but I, I do recognize that you have been here and that your spirit has been working. Father, these words that came out of my mouth, um, they're only effective if your Holy Spirit takes them and puts them into our hearts and works them out. So I pray, Lord, that for every Christian here, um, you would work these things out. Continue to work it out in me. I'm just scraping the, 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 the top here. This is just the, the little piece of the iceberg that we can see, Lord. How much deeper can this go? Probably for all of eternity if it's a fruit of the Spirit. Father, help us to develop in, in joy, especially in this time, in this age that you have graciously put us in, where we see so much despair, so much confusion, so much hatred against truth and, and the reality that you've set up. Let us be marked by joy, Lord. Let us show, use us to show people that there is hope in this world by the joy that we have in you. Help us to, to show the love that you have for your people, for your creation, with the joy that we have in you. Holy Spirit, I just pray that um, you would continue to um, beat down any cynicism and sarcasm and bitterness in our hearts. And that we would treasure Christ more and more above everything that this world has to offer and even more than the gifts that you give us. You give us so many gifts. We are so thankful that we get to enjoy them and take delight in them. But Father, we want more of you. So we just pray that you would continue to build us up. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.